Michael Swickard here. Welcome to Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili is brought to you from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, which you know is the chili capital of the world. First things first, did you know that today is World Green and Red Chili Day? Yes, World Green and Red Chili Day. Well, it runs January 1st to December 31st every year. So every day is yum. That is the word. I was talking history of New Mexico governors the other day. Someone asked about the two Meacham governors. Yes, we've had two governors whose last name was Meacham. Merritt Meacham was the fifth New Mexico governor, and Edwin was the 15th. Were they related? No, they were not. <clears throat> they did have the same last name, and both were Republicans, but that's as close as it got. Edwin was the first governor of New Mexico who was born in the state of New Mexico. Merritt came to New Mexico at age 32 in 1903 to practice law in Tucumcari. <clears throat> it was a bustling area due to the railroad at that time. Merritt was born in Kansas. He was a 7th Judicial District Judge in Socorro, and he's noted for a fight he had with the editor of the Santa Fe New Mexican. He convicted the editor of criminal contempt for a story about him and an affidavit he had in a libel case against the newspaper, and the editor then was convicted, but the conviction was quickly reversed in the libel case, and what wasn't quite dismissed as quickly was the whole case, but it was. I have more interest in Edwin Meacham for several reasons. First off, he was born in Alamogordo, as I kind of was. I was born in Holloman Air Force Base, but it's Alamogordo. He was born about six months after New Mexico became a state. He attended New Mexico College of Agriculture and Mechanical Arts. That's now New Mexico State University, which I attended. I'll do a Wednesday Important People of New Mexico podcast on Edwin Meacham soon. He was an FBI agent. Did you know that? Well, I'll tell more about that. Let's do some New Mexico history. Everyone, well, most everyone, interested in New Mexico history has heard about the Lincoln County War in 1878 involving 30 to 40 gunmen and, of course, Billy the Kid. Nope, I'm going to talk about a different Lincoln County War in the 1870s. It was a two-state war. It was a war in Texas and a war in the territory of New Mexico. The name most often used for it is the Horrell War. Here's the story. Coming into La Paz's County, Texas in 1848 was a family by the name of Higgins. This will all work out in a minute. Born to the family at the time was a John Calhoun Pink, was his nickname Higgins. Quite a name, the baby grew up to be one of the leading actors in a bloody feud that followed in about 20 years. In 1857, a family named Horrell settled near the Higgins family, and they were okay to begin with. The Horrells had sons Mart, Tom, Merritt, Ben, and Sam. Uh, as rowdy a bunch of young men as you would ever find in the Old West. So in 1873, they came to their first run-in with the law. You knew there was going to be a run-in, didn't you? We'll get to the connection to Lincoln County, New Mexico in just a minute. So in 1873, Lampasas, Texas was a wild town on the frontier, and in the middle were the Horrell brothers who were quick to shoot up the town when they were having fun, drinking I might add. 
Some of the residents, as you might imagine, hated the town being shot up, and so the law was apprised of the lawless actions. You knew that would happen. Such a lawlessness, uh, the appeal was made to the Texas governor. He was Ed Davis in 1873. A proclamation was issued precluding carrying firearms in Lampasas. Seven Texas state police members came in March, and on March 19th, they arrested one of the Horrells for carrying a firearm. Then they made a real mistake. They went into a saloon and there was a bunch of the Horrells and their friends inside. Well, there was a, a gunfight immediately, and four of the state police were killed. Uh, more police came, and these guys were arrested and taken to Georgetown, Texas jail, where on May 2nd, some 30 cowboys stormed the jail and released the Horrell brothers. And we'll get to Lincoln in just a minute. Michael Swickert here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company. Hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. So we're talking about the other Lincoln County War in the 1870s in the territory of New Mexico. This one didn't involve Billy the Kid or Pat Garrett. So we left the Horrells. They had just broken out of the Georgetown, Texas jail. Now, Georgetown is just north of Austin, Texas. The Harold brothers stayed a couple of months in the area selling cattle, some of which they had some brands on and some of which may have been somebody else's, but they sold them. They went to the present-day town in New Mexico of Hondo. You know, that's now on Highway 70. There was no Highway 70 back then. Why did they go there? They were told that it was a good place for lawlessness. So what was the chance they would stop their rowdy ways? Well, it was absolutely zero. They, one day they rode into Lincoln, New Mexico, 10 miles west of Hondo, and the trouble began when, after drinking for quite a few hours in several of the saloons, as was their habit, they started shooting their guns in the air. Lincoln Constable Juan Martinez made them surrender their weapons. So they went and got more pistols. Evidently, you could get them pretty easily. Five lawmen confronted them when they heard that they had those pistols. And in the gunfight, the constable was killed. And in the fray over several running miles, Ben Horrell was killed. And the other Horrell brothers killed several citizens. And it went on and on and on. A large shootout happened in Lincoln where there was a celebration. Four men were killed right then. Warrants were obtained, and the remaining brothers decided, you know, New Mexico isn't all that much fun, so they went back to Texas. Almost 20 New Mexicans were killed in the Horrell War. Back in Texas, Horrell and the Higgins got into a feud, and a large gun battle in Lampasas happened. Both sides had many people killed, and the only remaining Horrell brother out of five, Sam, moved to Oregon, and then he died peacefully in California in 1936. And as I've said in other podcasts about this, the gunplay with so many deaths was one of the reasons New Mexico didn't get statehood for decades because we were seen as a very lawless area. Now, let me tell you about another town. Did you know that New Mexico has a town by the name of Dusty? <laughs> yes, Dusty like a spring day dusty. 
There's a town called Dusty in Socorro County. It's about 30 miles north of Winston, New Mexico, and it's maybe 50 miles southeast of Dattle. It's way out in the middle of nowhere on a gravel road. It was a cavalry post at one time, and I would venture to say, since it got the name of Dusty, that it got that name during spring with the spring winds, because a lot of towns in New Mexico are fairly dusty. I'm not telling any stories out of school here. When the wind kicks up and so does the dust. I was asked one time and during one of these windstorms, a guy was holding on to his hat and leaning against the wind. He said, does it always, <laughs> does the wind always blow like this? I said, no, sometimes it comes from the other direction. <laughs> that didn't make him all that happy. Well, let's do some rocket, some rocket history. At this time in 1946, there was the White Sands Proving Grounds we call that same area White Sands Missile Range today. And at this time, the first Nike rocket was fired from Launch Complex 33. The Nike rocket was designed and built there, not to be confused with Nike shoes, which officially started in 1971, though they had their start in building the shoes in 1964. But the Nike rocket was way before that. The United States War Department in 1944 recognized that they needed a new air defense for enemy aircraft, how shall I say, that were going very fast because they were powered by jet engines. Current defenses at the time could not deal with the speed and altitude of the then jet aircraft. Bell Laboratories started Project Nike that competed with General Electric's Project Thumper, but both of them produced some defense products, so we, we got something from both of them. For the Nike missile, it needed three control radars to have any chance at all to hit fast-moving targets. The subsequent missile was named the Nike Ajax, and in November 1951, it was able to bring down a B-17, a spare B-17. We didn't have much use for B-17s after World War II, so they were used uh, for us to test things. Well, it brought down a B-17 over the White Sands Missile Range. And don't worry about the B-17 pilot. It was a drone controlled remotely. So when it crashed and burned, the technicians cheered. The Nike was what was called a last-line defense from air attack, and it was put around cities and military installations at the time. The first one was put around Fort Meade in Maryland, and in December 1953, several hundred were in protective areas. It was the first interceptor that over the years, as they uh, had, now when they took them down afterwards, there's, this is something you'll see, Many of them, because they were visually interesting, you'll find these non-flying missiles with the guts taken out of them in front of military installations. It, it just looks good. Now, even as the Nike Ajax was being perfected and work was being done on the next, next iteration of missiles for air defense, we had what's called the Nike Hercules, which improved the speed and range of flight and the accuracy, that was especially important. They were designed to be able to intercept ballistic missiles and protect a much larger area. 
The Hercules had a flight range of over 100 miles and could fly at over 3,000 miles an hour and could attain a total height above ground of 150,000 feet. The boost phase of the Hercules had four Nike Ajax boosters all fitted together. Also, just as important for reliability, the vacuum tubes previously used uh, were replaced by more reliable solid-state components that could handle the extreme G-forces of launch and flight and still accurately control the missiles, so it was a real win-win. Michael Swickard here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico. Often when something smells good in a kitchen, the cook is at, hey, what's cooking? One thing I know for sure is that if you have a good recipe and you use the right stuff, it is wonderful. The Fresh Chili Company has a chili cookbook in two forms. You can have it as a paper form or as an ebook. It's called the Fresh Chili Cooking Cookbook with Hatch Chili Recipes. Hatch Chili. Now, we also have a private group, Fresh Chili Cooking, on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you can go there and we post pictures and descriptions of what we are cooking and how we do it. Have over 20,000 members in a private group who love Hatch Chili and share their creations. You too can join. I think I have a recipe there. And on the FreshChiliCo.com website, you can purchase our chili products and the paper version of the cookbook. I just wanted to share that with you. Now, there's a local honey with Hatch Red Chili that is great. Uh, it is hot, Hatch Hot Honey, sweet and spicy. Now, we make this product by infusing real sun-dried Hatch Red Chili into 100% local Mesilla Valley honey from the clay chute. Uh, farms. Uh, when we infuse it with the hatch red chili, it makes two things that are good. Hot honey is thick and rich and just enough heat to give you something good when you put it on something. Me, I like mine on sourdough homemade biscuits. Speaking of sun-dried hatch red chili, it is one of the best tastes in the Fresh Chili Company. If you're thinking about making some pozole, it really brings out the best taste of New Mexico. One thing that happens when people live in New Mexico and happen to come to Las Cruces, they come by the Fresh Chili Company's gift shop at 1160 El Paseo Road, Suite D7A in Las Cruces. It's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come on by the Fresh Chili Company gift shop. There's a big sign over the entrance saying, The Fresh Chili Company. This is Michael Swickard with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, brought to you by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico on these podcasts. If you have something or someone you'd like me to talk about, you can write to me, michael at freshchiliCo.com, michael at freshchiliCo.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili's good, and more is better as long as it is Hatch Valley chili. Bye for now.